Welcome everyone to the Aggregators and Brands podcast. Uh, my name is Hai. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Eva, together with my co-host uh, Omar, who is the CEO Hi. and founder of the Margin Business. Uh, today we have a, a, a le- legend uh, in our podcast, you know, and we are really uh, very happy to have, um, you know, Adam Feinberg. Uh, he is not only on the Amazon space for decades, but also uh, his uh, br- his his um, brand or the store, the the web deals, the direct uh, was acquired by Perch at the time, based on the public information available. Uh, the Web Deals Direct was doing more than $80 million of revenue. And uh, that was kind of like, you know, really one of the probably top uh, couple of hundred, top hundred sellers, you know, in, on Amazon. But at the same time, uh, that, you know, Web Deals Direct had also 230,000 square foot of warehouse, which is also, <laughs> I think, a pretty cool. thing, you know, like I would like to also understand better about that. So we have Adam Adam on the call. So thank you, Adam, for joining the. Thank podcast. you for joining, Adam. Much oh, appreciated. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I sold the business to Perch in May, and I retired for about a weekend. And <laughs> yeah. Now, um, besides consulting with Perch a little bit, I'm working on um, two different Amazon stores. Um, one called ClearSpace, which is doing about a million dollars in sales a month. It's about a year old store. And then wow, we have already Amazing. called, called Brytech, where we're going to sell some higher end products like vacuum cleaners, um, area rugs, um, canopy tents. And that store will be ramping up like probably in the spring, mostly. And then there's a third project I'm potentially working on. There's a... And, there's a product development and invention company called Inventus. They're located by me in Charlotte. They basically design products, do prototyping, kickstart programs, um, IP work, and they don't really have an Amazon program. And they have about a thousand brands and asked me to start working with them on that. So that's basically what I've been up to for like the last seven or eight months since I sold. So it's great that, you know, your retirement seems to be very, <laughs> very busy at this moment. So let's roll back a little bit because I'm pretty sure, you know, there is at least five to 600 Amazon sellers listening our podcast. And uh, one of the things that every Amazon seller is really wondering about, like how everything started and how did you scale? Because it's easy I think, you know, it's not really that difficult to make a, a couple of $10,000 on Amazon, but then when it becomes a couple of hundred thousand dollars and then a couple of million and then a couple of 10 million, I guess these are all different stories, like different <laughs> type of mentalities are required at each step, moving from one to another. Maybe you tell us the story a bit, like, you know, how, how everything started and how did you scale that much? Oh, uh, sure. I think... I think we had really good timing. Uh, my partner Richard and I started selling on Amazon. We started looking into Amazon in 2014. We were running a digital marketing agency, mostly, mostly focused on search engine optimization. We had about 150 clients, but the business became harder. Google was making it more difficult for us to get good results for our clients. So we were looking for something else to do. And my 
partner, Richard, he said um, that he had a good friend. He was a chiropractor and he was doing a mastermind class, Amazon. And he was making so much that he was closing his chiropractor business to do Amazon full time. Okay. So, and all he was doing was importing some swimming products from China for less than a dollar and making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on Amazon a month. So we figured we should try this. So I told Richard to stop working on the, the digital business and focus on Amazon. We started selling in the UK. I mean, we didn't start with like a tremendous budget, maybe like 30,000 bucks, 40,000. We launched like two or three SKUs at once. And our goal was very small, like 10 sales a day, $10 profit a day equals $3,000 profit a year. I mean, a month. And then like repeat 10 times and then we have a pretty good living. Right. So if we can, if we can make 30,000 a month each and split it. And on um, about the fourth product, we launched a vacuum storage bag brand called Space Saver. And it did pretty well in the UK. It wasn't number one right away, maybe like the fourth seller, but we thought it was our best product. And we were making like maybe $10,000 profit a month. We decide we'll take a chance in the US. So we sent 5,000 units to the US. We were very cheap. We didn't even do custom packaging because we didn't want to waste money. They said it was going to cost like $5,000 for a custom poly bag. We got like plastic bag and then like a cardboard insert. We went on to Amazon like review trader when you were allowed to give away products like before they changed the policy. We gave away like a thousand units, maybe 800 reviews. And the next week we were number one on Amazon, wow. which was like beyond our wildest dreams to be number one in a category in the US. We were selling like 150 units a day. And um, we got hooked based on that. So we, um, we, a lot of the bit bigger brands that we started on Web Deals Direct, we started during that period where you could give away products for reviews, ones that are still doing well. So I think we we had really good timing on that. Eventually, Amazon deleted all the all those type of um, you know all those type of non-paid reviews, but um, it definitely gave us like a big head start. And in um, 2015, we launched about 10 products in the fourth quarter, and we started making about three thousand dollars profit on Amazon a day. The problem was we totally underestimated how much demand was for products and we ran out of product by about two days before Christmas. Wow. So we knew nothing also about um, Chinese New Year. We were such amateurs at the time. So we started like doing reorders and we were told we would get everything back in stock for like March because we missed, we missed the boat. We didn't know what we were doing. So in 2016, we started up again, seriously selling in about March, and we did $10 million in sales. At the time, it was still just me, Richard, and we had one staff, all just from our laptops working at home. Um, we just used like third-party logistics, third-party designers. We, um, we just found all our suppliers on Alibaba, really nothing fancy. We were using this 3PL called FBA Forward. And in the United States, and all of a sudden, 
I got a phone call from them. I was like one of their biggest clients in 2017. And they said, um, I have bad news. We're going out of business. So you can like pick up your stuff from our closed building and um, figure out what to do with it on your own. So oh that's when we on logistics. It was kind of like out of necessity. So right. that really frightened us to using any other third parties at the time. So we brought in my my partner moved from the UK to California the year before, and his a lot of his family was there, including his sister-in-law. So it became like a real family affair. It was um, the first warehouse was like 10,000 square feet. It was um, Rich's sister-in-law and her fiance. We had no staff, and whenever we had a truck delivery, we went down to Home Depot and we were like hiring like illegals to like help us unload the trucks. So I mean. We started really small. I don't, I just want to give the impression of what it was really at. We were really bootstrapping and really just struggling to keep up with the business. Even though the business like did 10 million the first year and like 20 million the second year, we had like no cash to show for it at all. Every single dime was like going back into the business. So um, we did kind of two things in 2000 and um, End of two, middle of 2017, we, we wanted to keep launching products because they were doing well. We had no money. We went to the bank. We told them the business was making like $2 million already halfway through the year. We asked them for money. Bank of America, they would loan us no money. We went to a bunch of small banks. We borrowed, we eventually could borrow a half a million dollars, which to us was disappointing. So we started taking... Um, investors from like friends and family. So we raised about $2 million from friends and family. And we, that's how we continued to launch our business for like the next couple of years, honestly. Um, Cause the amount of credit that we could get access to was very little. And still, honestly, we're making all this money. We're not buying nicer cars. We're not buying nicer homes. Um, if you want to scale your Amazon business you have to really make sacrifices to be honest. Right. Um, and we went to the Prosper show, um, Rich and I, in 2018, in the summer. And um, we met, I don't want to give the, the gentleman's name away or his business, but we met, we met a gentleman that really changed our lives as far as our business. Um, we were at a, a happy hour for bigger sellers. And um, he told me that he sold his... Um, supplement business 50% of it to a private equity firm and he cashed out $25 million. And now he was able to grow the business as much as you want because a private equity would invest in whatever products he can show a business case for. And he no longer had problems. Like not only did we have the problems, like we couldn't, we weren't paying ourselves very much. Like we were scared to pay our tax. Like we had a heart attack when the tax bill was coming because we had no money. So those were all the types of problems we thought this could solve for us. And he said that the private equity firm had no interest in running the business day to day. They had no knowledge of Amazon and they, he was running it the same as before, but he was making a salary and now he was like multimillionaire, tens of millions of dollars. So within five minutes of talking to him, I wanted to be him. He was like my dream person. So Richard and I um, contacted a bunch of investment banking firms to try to find someone 
to represent us to sell our business. And um, we found two that were potentially interested. One of them told us, fill out a 50 page questionnaire and maybe we'll take you. Okay. And then Gold Star Group, who we ended up using, they said, we've never sold an e-commerce business, but we've sold tons of businesses your size. We think this could be the next new thing and we'll come out to California and see your visit. We wanna see your business in person and meet you next week. So we picked them. So um, this was like before aggregators or at the very beginning when I never heard of Therasio, who's like the first aggregator. Um, we're gonna, I wasn't trying to sell the business. We just wanted to like sell 50% of it, generate some cash for ourselves and like develop like some possibility to get access to capital to grow. So we did a, um, we did like a, we hired an accounting firm. They reviewed our financials. We produced like a hundred page presentation of materials. And we presented our business on a bunch of calls to like a hundred different private equity firms. And back in, this was only like less than three years ago. And there was like very, very little interest in Amazon businesses then. Like you don't own the platform. They're too risky. It doesn't make any sense. You're too small, your brand's too new. At the end of the day, out of like hundreds of firms, we got like three of them to come visit us in person. And one of them was 101 Commerce, who was like the very first aggregator before Therasio. And I'm positive that they weren't interested in us. They were coming to like, see what we were doing. So two firms. So um, we got like tentative offers from both firms. They wanted to buy us and then Apparently they put part of the money down and then they go to like another bank to raise part of the money. And um, so they, both of the deals fell apart as soon as other banks had to come and like invest part of the money, same reason as before. So there we were nine months of trying to sell the business and a failure in it. Our investment banker said, he thinks this is like the first inning and you need to grow the business more and get more credibility. I found this bank and they're interested in loaning you $10 million to grow your business at a 4% interest rate. It's called East West Bank. They're gonna be like, they wanna develop an e-commerce like lending um, area and you're gonna be like their first client. So they loaned us $10 million at the fourth quarter of 2019. Um, we decided to buy out all of our investors um, so that like we could just control 100% of the company. We thought that made like the story easier. And then we still had left over like about $4 million to grow the business. We actually bought another Amazon business with it. Like we were like our own little mini aggregator. We bought a fitness brand called Abflex. And then we used some of the money to grow. And really the business like right after that just changed overnight for a couple of reasons. One, um, we had first sold in Europe and the UK, and also we were early into Canada and all of a sudden Amazon started sharing the reviews across all of Amazon. And, um, we had like a thousand reviews on a product in like five countries. Now all of a sudden we had like 5,000 and all of a sudden, like all of our products got a huge boost in every single market because we were already in like all of Europe, all of UK all of US, US and Canada. 
And then the second thing, as COVID approached, because we had our own warehouse, we had like nine months of inventory there and everybody was running out of inventory. Right. So in 2020, we went from $40 million in sales to 80. And we could have done what $120 million in sales if like we had the inventory because it was just crazy. Like whatever you could send in, you could just sell, especially um, at like, you know, like the first couple of months of it. And then we happened to by luck sell a couple of items that had tremendous demand during lockdown. For example, we sold a nail lamp and no one could go get their nails done because they were all the, like all the nail salons were closed. So instead of selling 50 a day, now we're selling a thousand and no one could go could get their dogs a haircut. All of a sudden our dog grooming kits started selling worldwide 3000 a day. The only thing that prevented us from selling more is stock. Right. So um, another company, an investment banker contacted us in the summer of 2020 and they asked us to become an aggregator with them as a partner. And we investigated that for a while. And that's how we ended up that I wanted to give you the story why we have a 235,000 square foot warehouse. So we had a 38,000 square foot warehouse and it was, but when we, once we saw the sales after COVID, we thought we had to ramp up. So we needed a bigger one and we probably needed like 80,000 square feet, but we, we had signed a letter of intent with this, um, this private equity firm and they wanted to, you know, to spend a hundred million dollars buying other companies. So we decided to get a much bigger space because the um, typically you're signing like a six, seven year contract. And we had only had the previous warehouse for two years and already we outgrew it. So I figured the worst case, cause there was such a lack of warehouse spaces we could sublease it. And then the deal fell through with the, with the private equity firm. And the reason it fell through is because we grew too much. They had like $150 million that they were going to pay to like buy all these businesses. And we grew so much that they were going to have to give most of the money to us because they promised us 7X. Right. So our, we outgrew ourselves on the deal over that summer. We, the best month the company ever did was in July of 2020. We made profits of um, over $3 million in one month. So... Uh, the business was doing so well, um, we decided to go back to private equity now and sell again because they said our sales were too low. You need to be over $10 million. You're too young. So I, I figured we'd go back to the exact same ones and say, look, last year we did $6 million in profits. This year we're doing in the teens. They said a lot of the private equity firms were like, yeah, that's great, but we think this is all a big bubble. We'll pay you based on like $8 million profit. We're not giving you a multiple on 13, 14, 15 million dollars or whatever, whatever it looked like we were going to be at the time. The highest we ever got for EBITDA was like 17. So that's when we, that's when my um, Gulf Star groups recommended we start talking to the aggregators. And I think if, if it was 2022, the story would be completely different. But in, two, but, but in like December, 2020, January 2021, most of the firms hadn't scaled nearly to the, um, the aggregators to the levels they've raised now. So doing like a $100 million deal was really out of the scope out of pretty much everybody. And um, 
that's how we ended up selling to Perch. We, I, I wasn't even very confident that Perch could finance our deal. Like when we met with them, I was very, I liked them a lot. They had a good story. They said exactly what we wanted. They wanted to keep all of our employees. They thought our warehouse was strategic for like other acquisitions. They liked all the talent we had. They wanted us to continue to part with partner with them for two years, which I'm doing now. And I still consult with them, but I'm like, do they really have the money? Because that was like about as much as they raised, but they came up with the money and they've raised like way more than they're. I think they're close to raising like a billion dollars now. Right. So um, the deal went well. Um, they were very anxious to close it. And we closed the deal in about a hundred days. It was a much more detailed due diligence than the typical one. We, I think I spent $200,000 on legal bills to give you an idea instead of like signing a form contract and like, like part of the requirement was like the completion of audits and stuff like that. So it was a little bit more detailed and they also came to our warehouse and we had $30 million of inventory in our warehouse. Cause I was very, very conservative on inventory because I was scared of COVID disruption. So I was holding like a year and a half of inventory. Our warehouse was so big. It costs the same whether it's empty or full. And the last, the, my biggest worry in the world was the, the factory closes because of like another, you know, like another, you know, like another variant of COVID or something. So they, so there's no way they're buying $30 million of inventory without seeing it. So they literally had a team of like seven, eight people counting inventory for a week. But everything closed fantastic. The first three months, um, I continued to run the, the store. They brought in people. They had a couple people with like a year of Amazon experience that were pretty good. They hired a lot of very smart people from consulting firms, but not necessarily, you know, Amazon people. They had a, their logistics team was pretty experienced though, because they were all from, from Wayfair. And um, they took over after four months. And um, they have a lot of smart people and it's gone pretty well. And I've gotten to the point like in the last month where they won't let me do anything. I, I can attend meetings. I can make recommendations. They listen to them a lot. Sometimes they don't, but they're running the business on their own and you know, it's doing, it's doing pretty well. So I would say a lot of positive things about Perch. Now, I mean, the, the aggregator market's changed. I, I have another business called ClearSpace and we're doing um, a little over a million dollars in sales a month. I started with my friend Duncan It's selling um, plastic storage containers primarily. And so my concern was, um, I, w I thought we could grow this business to maybe like $10 million even on sell it, you know, like maybe like 50 million sales. Our margins are about 20%. And so I met, besides discussing with Perch, I wanted to see, am I in trouble if Perch doesn't want to buy it? Like, do we need to sell it like about now or can we wait a little bit longer? And um, I took a meeting like in the last two or three weeks with like five different aggregators. And it's a totally different story. If you have a good business and you're doing $10 million EBITDA now, there's like tons of interest for it. There's no concerns about like capital levels or anything. So I think like the industry has really matured a lot and it's really uh, made me excited 
about like the aggregator space. And um, that's why I started another store called Brytech, the one I told you about at the beginning. Right. And um, I met, uh, I, I made the paper locally in Charlotte based on um, some articles related to my business and a house I spent way too much money on. And um, I ended up meeting this guy named Louis Foreman. He owns um, a company that invents products. They've invented over a thousand products. And um, he wants me to sell them all on Amazon. He's already receiving um, royalties on about $1 billion of sales outside of Amazon with a bait. They've, they're the biggest sponsor of Kickstarter campaigns in the world. They put 12 people on Shark Tank, the famous television show. And um, I'm going to be working with them. So I'm like working on ramping up a team if it goes well. We're going to have to hire a lot of people because he has literally a thousand brands. I don't know if 300 or 400 or 500 of them are appropriate for Amazon, but it's going to be a pretty large number. And they have private equity numbers for backing that's similar to like all these big aggregators. So the, the two stores I'm working on are exciting, but I might end up working on something really big. We have a letter of intent coming and I've met with their their equity guys a bunch of times. So I'm pretty excited about that. Those are the types of things I'm doing. Uh, oh. You can say something now. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is such an amazing <laughs> that is That is yeah. awesome. You know, that's that's amazing, really. It's uh, so, so, you know, uh, listening to this, uh, I mean, I just looked at the time, it just passed, you know, but it's it's really, really interesting, you know. And, you know, the only thing what I... But I get out of this and what I wanted to say at this point is that it's really um, something uh, uh, out of out of this of businesses, you know, of these Amazon businesses, like your businesses, like like uh, any like others. I mean, there will be not so many uh, others which which sell the company for such a, an amount of money. But there's other businesses which come out of another businesses. So we get a whole other uh, ecosystem out there, which is which is amazing, you know, because there is so much space there are so much things created out of this amazon business you know that uh, that it makes me really excited to to look what is going to happen in the next years you know yeah yeah i, I think honestly the the right side to be on is is to be on the seller side the product innovator person it's not the aggregator the i think the opportunities where you can make a tremendous tremendous return I mean, just to give you the math at ClearSpace, um, we're in ClearSpace for like maybe $3 million initial money. Um, now we got some bank loans for a couple million dollars and maybe like in a year and a half, 2 million, we're selling it for $60 million. So where else can you turn $3 million into $60 million in three or four years? And you're doing it, I'm, I'm in my t-shirt, I'm in my sweatshirt. I'm talking outside of a rest. I don't have a fancy office. I work in my house out of my phone. So, you know, it's exactly it's fantastic. And um, really, like, um, I think the aggregators, I think the aggregator business is hard because um, it's not as easy to grow businesses, I think, and logistically manages them as I think these aggregators think. I think it's a lot easier to be nimble and have something much smaller that you could sell to them for six X is my, is my viewpoint. 
than have to manage something that's doing five million dollars in revenue to cash out. That, that's my viewpoint. I mean, that's really why, like, one of the reasons besides the finance issue why I didn't become an aggregator, that seemed like a lot more work to me and a lot more out of your control than like a little brand that you develop that you could turn into like a medium-sized business and really get out of. And the fact that, um, that multiples are up from like two to four range now to like a four to eight range is like ever more reason to, to like launch your own businesses on Amazon. Unfortunately, it's not really for the small fry anymore. When, when we started, I said we started with $40,000. I mean, when it went well, I, was, I had access to several hundred thousand more I could spend, but I had friends and neighbors I talked into selling on Amazon 2016, 17, and they made like a good side hustle, six figure incomes, ended up selling their businesses for like half a million, a million dollars off of like 25,000 bucks and waiting like 24 months, 30 months, something like that. But lately I've some, I've seen people that I've known tried to sell on Amazon that like invested all of their, you know, all of their hard earned savings from their, that they put away from their jobs and have lost everything. You know, if, if all of a sudden a shipping container costs $20,000 and a 3PL, you, like when we started selling at first, we didn't even use a 3PL. We would just ship directly to Amazon. Everything would directly, every unit go directly to Amazon. But now like inventory limits, IPI, all that stuff, you have to use a 3PL. And now the 3PL is saying, I don't want to talk to you for all just small fry. There's 3PLs are not set up for someone who wants to make $50,000 profit a year. It's made for like the intermediate to big guy. So every, and then like getting momentum on a product where you're limited initially on inventory, it's much, much harder. So I think based on the influx of Chinese, the, the importance of ads has really led to like professionally managed ad tools like Tika Metrics, Quartile, and all these aggregators scooping up the better brands. It's a much more professional space versus 2014, 15, 16, 17, where it's a mom and pop space. And I think a lot of the people who are selling now realize they're a mom and pop and they should get out. Honestly, it's a lot of money. Definitely. We're up to offering me five, $10 million for this business. I don't know if I'm going to be able to maintain it for two more years. I should sell it. That's, that's what I think is, that's what I think is going on in the space. I don't know what you, what your viewpoint is. No, that's a very good point. Exactly. I can give you like, I mean, obviously because we have more than 1500 brands on the Eva platform and, and they use it for analytics purposes. One of the things that, um, unfortunately I'm seeing is the, the small brands, it's becoming harder and harder for them to grow. And I see them exiting. Like it, it becomes almost like the startup world. Like 90% of the ones that are launching the products, they end up like 10K, 50K, maximum 100K. And then I see them not moving further because as you said, like either they hit to like competition 
they need to spend money on advertising they hit to the inventory problems or supply chain issues. Yeah. Uh, and at the end you know like i don't see the small ones growing but the mid-sized ones who are able to find some funding making maybe like a half a million dollar a month then for them there is still the opportunity to take that 500 to maybe a couple of million and then and then they immediately start talking to an aggregators i mean that's also the other trend um nobody also wants to move further like okay let's make it 10 million a month and then sell it you know like as soon as well, it is to a million everybody starts talking to aggregators sure well it's a lot of money on the table and they're probably not taking big salaries even though their store is doing 10 million dollars in sales because we were not we were i I struggled to pay myself when we did $35 million a year in sales because um, I was fortunately, I had income from my SEO business still, but like for a very long time, like would pay myself not very much. Um, yeah. Especially like in Europe, the requirements for Europe are so onerous now with like the new environment, EPR environmental stuff, the yeah. responsible party. Um, it's very, all these labeling requirements we've, Send inventory to Amazon. We didn't realize that you that even if it was an electronic, that you still had to have like your model and brand number on the actual physical product. Amazon sees it; they make you remove the whole thing. You're not selling for four months before you remove it and fix it again. It's very, very tough. So I I think that that's the trend. On unfortunately, I I think also in the aggregator space. There's going to be aggregator, like if you're buying up tons and tons of businesses, you need to be really good at like growing some of them. Like with a story with Razio where they took that, um, that orange product and like 20 X did or whatever. Yes, that's, that's the best story. <laughs> because like maintaining all these little businesses are hard. I think actually like probably if, if I was going to be an aggregator, I would be more interested in like what Heyday is doing or someone like that, where they're being very, very selective and buying like one brand a month or something like that. And um, trying to pick something that's actually like a good brand that has retail possibilities that they think that they could get in stores and just didn't have enough capital. I think that, that that's the case. And if you're going to ask me how many aggregators i think they're going to be in 2025 i'm going to say there's going to be a fraction of what there is now right well you know i mean because i i started eva as a um you know a, a silicon valley company and got a lot of investors from day one and you know how the vcs are i'm pretty sure that a lot of aggregators they are funded by the venture capital as well and then the, for the venture capitalists, if you show them three, four times growth, it's not enough. They want to, you know, get you like month on month, 30%, 40% growth. And uh, that's one of the reasons that I see the aggregators want to spend the money. They try to close fast as much as possible. They hire a lot of people every day. I'm seeing, you know, on LinkedIn. Uh, and, you know, and then one of the things that we always talk with Omar, right, right now, even the aggregators have six to seven people per brand, you know, it's kind of the average, which is very much 
not what's going on with like you know as you said even when you were making millions of dollars still it was a couple of people probably running the whole show rather than you know maybe 10 15 people you know so so that's kind of a hard job but uh, uh, yeah it's amazing i think i think i perched if you, they have what i was doing spread across like over a dozen people yeah wow Right. For such a big brand, that's uh, that's not a lot of. Uh... <laughs> that's really good. You know, like I, I was like, like if you just take for example, like HR, um, paying all the invoices, reviewing yeah, like all the financials. That's already like eight people. Then like <laughs> managing ordering, managing you know like managing advertising. Like you see, that's already up to like twelve people at Perch. Absolutely. But, I mean, but but they're they're not just managing web deals direct they're also managing like some other stuff and trying to scale multiple businesses yeah that's kind of like the, their value prop is like you know to aggregate and manage obviously so um you know i i mean it's already a, like a great conversation i'm you know it's the really kind of good. most amazing story that we had also on the on the podcast show so thank you very Definitely. much so what's your advice? What's your recommendation to the Amazon sellers? Uh, you know, like we, the, I would like to, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that everybody wants to hear what's the, the essence of, of being successful on Amazon. And probably, as you said, it's not the same as 2015, 16. Right now, the situation is much different with product launch is difficult. Um, advertising costs are up. Uh, supply chain is up but still it's a good business because that's the other reason why you know the de demand is there with the advertising that's why the costs are increasing so there is a lot more competition as well uh, what will be your advice to the amazon sellers today message to the world uh, uh, one spend a lot more time investigating niches and only enter niches where there's a lot of winners so try to pick a niche where, like, I'll give you like an example. We sell hoses, or we did for Web Deals Direct, and we're like the number two best hose seller on the in Amazon.com. But if you look like between March and September, even like the thirtieth biggest hose seller is probably making like a thousand dollars profit a day. That's a fantastic niche because the if, it's realistic to become the thirtieth best hose seller. Does that make sense? but you don't want to pick a niche where the 30th best guy is making like less than a hundred dollars profit. That's like the first thing. Then like if you enter the hose niche or whatever niche you pick and it does well, like before you like branch off into something else, double, triple, quadruple down on whatever you're successful in and learn. I have losers all the time. Learn to figure out what's a loser and stop draining money. And then the third thing is you need to spend a lot more money on upfront on branding, like quality of videos, images, and like conversion testing before you go live. So like we used, we have a really fantastic designer. We've used him. His name is Tom for six, seven years. We, per, we like stole him. We poached him off of 99 designs and hired him. He's fantastic. And we used to just take whatever he did. It's great. We just listed on Amazon and now like he's making like five, six different render possibilities for each product we launch. And like, we're going out to pick foo and we're testing competitors 
and then we're like doing different iterations and we might be like on our 10th di different um, main image before we launch the product and run $1 in ads. So like you have to be like more confident and do more testing because like the whole quality of conversions and what it takes to be successful versus like the competition is just at a much, much deeper level than like, oh, just a white background with your product and it's good enough, you know? Absolutely. Definitely. That's a really great advice. Thank you so much, uh, Adam. That's, uh, that's a good uh, message to the world. And I'm sure a lot of people can, can really go in there and, you know, and profit off uh, just what you said, you know? Any final questions, okay. Omar? For me, wow. it's uh, all good. He, it was amazing. He uh, gave so much information and, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, everything, everything answered that I would like to, would like uh, to, to ask him actually. Okay. I'm glad to come back again if you want to have me. And um, if people want to reach out to me, it's Adam Feinberg, F-E-I-N-B-R-G. Um, I'm active on LinkedIn. If you want to add me, I accept everyone. If you message me and it's relevant and you want to talk about Amazon, I get back to most people as long as it sure. seems reasonable. That's so I uh, look forward to people reaching out. Thanks a lot and have a good weekend. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you so much, Adam. Bye-bye.